Well, here we are at the beginning of a new year, January 1, 2023, and in many ways, you know, it's just it's just another sunrise and sunset, another 24-hour block of time in the thousands of days of our lives that we expect to live. But much more than just that, it is a reminder that the days turn into weeks, the weeks turn into months, the months turn into years, the calendar turns over, time marches on. Moses challenged us in Psalm 90 to number our days so that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. In other words, recognize the, the, the passing of time. Don't waste your years. Let me get this back up here. So, As someone wisely said once, life is like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. The well-known preacher from the 1700s, Jonathan Edwards, wrote a list of 70 resolutions as a young man. He was about 19 years old when he wrote them. He wanted to start out his life with purpose and direction. He wanted to spend his years wisely. He wrote in very eloquent 1700s-style English, so many have adapted his resolutions to make them more readable to the modern mind. Joe, you want to run up there and see if you can see what's happening with my buzzing there? I'm not sure what is uh, going on, so. All right. Well, now we have nothing but no volume either, so. Uh, see if we can. Now he's getting serious because he put on his glasses, so yes, that's good. Okay, that sounds all right. We've got uh, we've got volume and no buzzing. Thank you very much, sir. Jonathan Edwards in his seventy resolutions. You can read them sometime. It'd be great. Google them sometime. Jonathan Edwards seventy resolutions, and uh, they're 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 on the internet. You can read them and uh, put on your your old English reading style. But great great stuff. They've kind of been adapted, and this is just a couple of them. I'm going to read to you just the first two. This is his first one, resolved that all that I think or say I will do to the glory of God, and I will not take into consideration my own comfort, profit, or pleasure. That's a good start. His second resolution read, resolved if ever I shall fail or, or fall or grow dull so that I neglect to keep any of these resolutions, I shall repent immediately when I come to my senses again. That's a great way to start out. Hey, he was 19 years old when he said that. That's a great start to life. Uh, what, a, what a great way to start life or to start over in life or to get back on track when you've drifted. He's, he's basically saying, I'm going to be God-focused rather than self-focused. And, and when I blow it, I will repent and get back on track. A more recent writer that I have quoted to you before on, on many occasions, A.W. Tozer, he was writing once around New Year's to his church, and he said, I do not advise that we end the year on a somber note. The march, not the dirge, has always been the music of God's people. If we are good students in the school of life, there's much that the years have to teach us. But the disciple of Jesus is more than a student, more than a philosopher. He is a believer, and the object of his faith makes all the difference, the mighty difference. 
Of all people, the follower of Jesus should be best prepared for whatever the new year brings. He has dealt with life at its source. In Christ, he has faced a thousand enemies that other men must face alone and unprepared. He can face his tomorrow cheerful and unafraid because yesterday he turned his feet toward the Lord and today he lives in God. The man who has made God his dwelling place will always have a safe habitation. Great thoughts. Well, welcome to the new year. We are going to return to our study in the book of Philippians. Our last study in Philippians was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so it's been a few weeks. Uh, but we uh, are going to uh, start the new year back in chapter 4 of this wonderful letter by the Apostle Paul. Many years ago, a seasoned Bible teacher told a group of young men, I was in that group, that if, if an unbeliever was seeking the Lord and wanting to begin reading, to the, reading the Bible, he said, direct them to the Gospel of John, which points us to the Savior. If a new believer or a struggling believer was trying to grow or get back on track, direct them to the book of Philippians, which tells us how to live for our Savior. There is so much wonderful material for Christian living in this little letter, and it's been a joy to me to study it and to bring these messages to you. This is message number 20 in our study in the book of Philippians, and we're, uh, we're in the chapter 4. We're learning about what we've been talking about when we broke for the, for the Christmas season uh, was spiritual stability. What it takes to be strong in trying times, in times of great trial, in times of persecution or harassment, times of loss in our families, times of confusion, times of stress, times of challenge. How can we be spiritually strong? How can we have the kind of spiritual stability that faces trouble without wavering or without doubting God? How can we have peace in the middle of trials and tests? That should be our goal as followers of Jesus, to develop spiritual stability that will anchor us throughout our journey on this earth. How can I be consistent and not up and down riding this spiritual roller coaster? How can I just be consistent and, and be stable? We're going to read again today, verses 1 through 9. We've been doing that each time in this section that we're looking at. Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll pick up where we left off a number of weeks ago. Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace 
will be with you. Remember our key phrase from verse 1, stand fast in the Lord. That's, that's the whole key to everything Paul talks about in the next eight verses. Stand firm in the Lord. Plant your feet and be anchored in your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is spiritual stability. He says, be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord. Be rooted and grounded so you don't get blown away in the storms of life. You may get knocked around, you may get temporarily rattled, but your roots are in the Word of God and your relationship with Him so you don't turn into a spiritual train wreck. I know it's been several weeks since we were studying this passage, so I need to just remind you that we have seen so far several steps on the path to spiritual stability. Four to be exact, we're number five today, but the pathway to spiritual consistency, to spiritual stability, the first four steps we looked at, pursue peace in your relationships, cultivate a spirit of joy, develop gracious humility, and practice the presence of God. You see, harmony in our relationships is a stabilizer. On the other hand, discord and chaos and conflict will always produce insecurity, and and, and it destabilizes us spiritually. We discussed that in detail when we studied verses 2 and 3. The second step towards spiritual stability is to cultivate a spirit of joy. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. This joy is based on our relationship with the Lord, not on our circumstances, If we are content with God and what He is doing in our lives, then that contentment will be bigger than our circumstances. He will be bigger than our trials. We learn to lean on the Lord, to be content with Him, and to be content in Him, to to be satisfied with God and our relationship to Him. And, And we realize what a joy it is to belong to the Creator of the universe who cares about us and has an incredible future planned for us beyond this life with all of its trials. God has demonstrated His great love for us through Christ, and so matter, no matter what happens, we can rest secure in our relationship to Him. And when we come to understand those things, we are cultivating a spirit of joy. Thirdly, we talked about develop gracious humility. Remember the Greek word translated gentleness. is It's a difficult word to express in one English word. So our, our many, many English translations use, use a variety of words to try to express these thoughts in one word. Gentleness, moderation, forbearance, generosity, mercy, contentment, many others. And as I was reading and studying through that, I, I came across a, 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 a wonderful phrase used by a number of commentators that I kind of co-opted to, in order to share with you. And that is that the word basically means sweet reasonableness or gracious humility. You're responsive to an appeal or, or a request. You're gentle when someone approaches you with their struggles. You're merciful toward the faults of others. You have good will toward those whose flaws are showing. You are not easily offended. You are able to endure unkindness from others without retaliating. You may have mistreated me. You may have misjudged me. You may have misrepresented me. But, but, but I still can accept that with gracious humility. That's exactly what the grace of God is like. God says, you may have hated me. You may have been my enemies. 
You may have shaken your fist in my face. You may have cursed me and taken my name in vain 50 times a day. You may have misjudged me or misrepresented me. You may have done all that, God says, and I will still accept you when you repent. You see, if we can develop that kind of an attitude, we will be a spiritually stable person. Because spiritual stability belongs to those who are humbly gracious. You are sweetly reasonable. Then the fourth thing, uh, Paul said, practice the presence of God. He says, the Lord is nearby. Don't be anxious. Don't be unstable. Don't waver. Don't collapse. Don't be paranoid. Don't panic. Understand that the Lord is near. You practice the presence of God. You recognize the truth of Scripture that the Lord is nearby. He is always present to help. That wonderful passage in Psalm 46, the Lord is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. There is no reason to crash and burn spiritually if we understand that the Lord is near. So, pursue peace in your relationships, Cultivate a spirit of joy, develop gracious humility, practice the presence of God, and, and you are on the path toward spiritual stability, spiritual consistency. Now we're going to move into verse 6 today, and I'll give you step number 5 in developing spiritual consistency or stability, and that is this, grow your gratitude. Grow your gratitude. How do we respond to the trials of life? This verse challenges us to respond with thankful prayer. It says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I know some of you are Bible highlighters and Bible underliners. I would encourage you to mark verses 6 and 7. They are such pivotal, life choice, life direction verses that you'll want to be able to find on your page. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, circle everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. How do we respond to the trials of life? In everything by prayer and, and, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's the cure for worry. That is relief from anxiety. And the Apostle Paul is emphasizing the importance of prayer and the right attitude in prayer. There are three different words for prayer that are used here. <clears throat> They're translated prayer, supplication, and request. They all have to do with, with petitions, asking God for help in the circumstances of life. And the assumption is that when you face a problem or fall into a trial, you're going to cry out to God for help. That, that's normal. Something difficult happens, we cry out to God for help. But what Paul is saying is, instead of crying out to God in your troubles with doubt and dissatisfaction and discontent and blaming God, we are to cry out to God with thanksgiving. Now why, you might ask? Because you know that God cares and you know that the Bible is filled with the promises of God. Many of you can probably quote to me Romans 8.28. We know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
Some of you can quote 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God will not allow you to be tempted more than you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape so that you will be able to bear it. Not, not as well known a verse, but 1 Peter 5.10, it tells us that we suffer so that God will perfect us and ground us and use us. So we see in all of our trials that God has a purpose even when we can't figure out all of the details. So we thank Him. He cares about us, and we know that He cares about us. So we don't shake our fist at God. We don't smart off to Him in our, heart, in our hearts. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. So this verse tells us, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And when you pray and plead and request things from God, in the process of doing that, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, we're supposed to be thankful for His purposes, thankful for His providence, thankful for His power, thankful for His promises, thankful that He is perfecting us, thankful for the confidence of heaven, thankful that He's doing exactly what He wants to do in our lives to accomplish what He wants. We are thankful for past mercies. We are thankful for, for future blessings to come. You see, prayer should always be with gratitude. Because when it is, it immediately releases me from fear and worry and panic because I understand that God has a purpose. I don't even have to know what the purpose is. I, I just have to trust God's purpose in it. I don't want to question His purposes because I know that God is sovereign. I know He orchestrates all things for my good and His glory. I know that. So whatever may happen... I can be thankful that God knows the problem and God can deal with the problem. And if we really know our God, then we can pray with gratitude in everything and we will develop spiritual consistency. You know, some followers of Jesus live their lives worried and fretting and anxious and troubled about everything. Day after day, week after week, because they are not trusting that everything is in the hand of God and all things work together for good to those who love God. And you know, we've said this dozens and dozens of times. That verse is not saying that all things are good. It's saying that all things work together for good. And everything is under the direction of God. So what is the result of growing our gratitude? That's in verse 7. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, means it goes beyond our ability to understand, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Everybody wants peace. But notice that this is the peace of God. It's the peace that God possesses that He gives to us. It's not human. You don't go to man to get it. You go to God to get it. There's no human counselor in the world who can give you peace. There's no human therapy that can give you peace. Now you know I'm a biblical counselor. I've counseled many people over the years for many different situations and issues. But you know what? I cannot give people peace. I can tell them how to get it, but I can't give it to them. It is, it, it is the gift of God 
to a believer who so confidently trusts his God that he's thankful in his trial, and out of his thanksgiving, God responds by granting him peace, supernatural peace from God. And that kind of peace, this, this verse says, guards our minds. Well, guards from what? Well, guards from panic, guards from doubt, guards from insecurity, guards from distress. Where does it all start? It all starts with growing your gratitude and praying with thanksgiving. You know, several weeks ago we drove to Bozeman. We got an airplane to fly. To, got on an airplane to fly to Denver. I walked on the plane. I sat down in my seat. I buckled my seatbelt and I sat there. The plane takes off. We bounce around a little as we're going up. We get above the clouds. It smooths out. You'd hardly know we were moving. Flight attendant comes by, gives us a snack bag. I get a Coca-Cola, and here I am, hurtling through the atmosphere at 500 plus miles an hour, 35,000 feet in the air, with one little four-inch thick window separating me from death on the outside of the plane. And what am I doing? I'm munching on my snack bag, sipping my Coca-Cola. I don't even know exactly where I am, but I know where I'm going. And I'm not worried. You know, I'm not worried because I am not flying the plane. I don't have to know the details. I'm not flying the plane. But I know my destination. And one of the greatest life principles that we who know Christ can grab a hold of is that although we know our destination in Christ, we are not flying the plane. We need to get in touch with, 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 the, with the reality of that. If, if we think we are flying our own plane, we are either crazy or self-deceived. And so, wait a minute, I, I make some decisions. Yes, you do. We make decisions. We try to be wise and responsible and diligent and careful. We do make choices. But if we think we're in control of the circumstances of life, we better think again. We had a wonderful Christmas Eve service here. God opened the way for us to get here. He orchestrated the details so we could go ahead with the service. It was, it, it, was, it was a blessed evening. We got home after the Christmas Eve service. We gathered around the tree. We had a Christmas devotional time. Get ready to open the, open the gifts. The, the phone rings. Caller ID says it's our daughter in Denver. And I think, oh, she's calling for Christmas to say hi to everybody. We just had an early Christmas at her house the week before. But no, she's actually calling to tell us that she's in the hospital with a potentially life-threatening medical issue that most of you are all well aware of. By God's grace, she's on the road to resolution of the issue after six days in the hospital. But my, but my thought is simply this. If you think you're flying your plane, you're crazy. James, the book of James tells us, we have no idea what a day will bring forth. Oh, we've made our plans in fact, the book of Psalms tells us, A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Oh, we make our plans, we make our choices, we decide this, decide that, we lay this whole plan out. But we have no idea what's actually going to happen, because we are not flying the plane. So, so how can you face death, yours or someone you love? What if you had a stroke or a heart attack? When I was typing this up, I was thinking about somebody sitting here this morning who, who, who just, I'm sure, I'm sure he made the decision. He had a heart attack the day of our Christmas program. 
Just to, just teasing you, Tom. I'm sure he didn't plan it that way. Hey, we are not flying the plane. A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. What if in 2023 you get a call from a doctor you got cancer? What if one of your children is tragically taken from you? What about the difficulties that you face right now in your life? How do you face them with spiritual consistency? You pursue peace in your relationships. You cultivate a spirit of joy. You develop gracious humility. You practice the presence of God. And you grow your gratitude. You don't worry about anything. You pray about everything. With thanksgiving, you let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, peace of God, His peace that He can give to you, which goes beyond your ability to figure out the details or understand why it's happening. The peace of God will guard your mind and your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ. By God's grace, let's start the new year that way. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this great promise in the Word of God. It is so easy for us to fret and worry and be in a time of distress, wonder how it's all going to turn out. It's so easy for us to think that we've made all of our plans and we've got everything ironed out and it should just work just super smoothly. But Lord, help us to remember that, that although we do plan our way, it is the Lord who directs our steps. We are not flying our plane. We are not the captain of our ship. We are not in the driver's seat of our life. You are. So help us, Father, as these unexpected events pop up in our lives. May we always practice Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Worry about nothing, but pray about everything. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thank you, Father, for this new year. Thank you for all who are here with us today. May we launch out in this new year with grace and strength and help, trusting in God, walking in your ways, doing your will. And may you use us individually and as a church family to reach many people for the Lord Jesus Christ this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grab your hymn book if you would and uh, take a look again at number 182. I want to sing this song again as we finish off this service.